The views and opinions expressed on Unlock Your Wealth Radio are those of the host, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the views of Unlock Your Wealth Radio, Heather Wagonalls, or Success Publishing International. Worried about retirement? Want to travel the world or just be around to watch your kids grow up but you can't because you're drowning in debt? Now you can with Heather Wagonhalls and the Keys to Riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. Heather will show you how to stop chasing your wallet, eliminate debt, lose financial stress, and live the life of your dreams. If you truly ever wanted to have more, do more, be a give back more, now's your chance. Listen weekly to hear what others are doing to manage their money better with these proven strategies for building wealth with the Keys to Riches financial philosophy. Now, here's your host, Heather Wagonhalls. Welcome, everyone. This segment of Keys to Riches, powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio, is sponsored by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at keys to riches.com forward slash free book and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Thanks so much for stopping by, everybody. I am your purveyor of prosperity, Heather Wagonhalls, and I am flanked by the maestro of moolah, Michael Terry. Hey, folks. And we are going to help you get your money mind right on today's episode of Keys to Riches, powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio, with the following great features. So first off, we're going to have a moolah word of the day. Uh-huh. Uh, and then we have our, what is our, what is our key this week? Uh, number nine, uh, create credit. So yes, we have create credit. So today we're going to talk about what goes into uh, a healthy credit profile so you can start investing using next week's key, which will be remember real estate. I wouldn't have gotten that. <laughs> I should have pop quizzed you. <laughs> yeah. And kind of like a little bonus sort of thing that you might want to pay attention to is this week's Unlock Your Wealth radio show is all going to be about how to analyze your credit report. And we want to do this for several reasons. We want to see what's in there. We want to make sure that what's being reported is accurate, but we want to make sure that we're not a victim of an identity theft, fraud, or a scam. And we can tell those things based on stuff that's in our credit report. Be sure to tune into this week's show at unlockyourwealthradio.com or on the uh, Libsyn, iTunes, SoundCloud, Blog Talk, everywhere we are, we're all over. So if you want to listen to us on a podcast format and download it to your phone, then all you have to do is visit our website at unlockyourwealthradio.com and click on the uh, show links to the appropriate uh, medium that you would like to listen in. It's that simple. You're just a click away from learning how to review your credit report successfully. So that's coming up on this week's uh, Unlock Your Wealth radio show. Uh, Today's show... Uh, it is all about our creating credit key and uh, our moolah word ha- is a generational moolah word. Our money drama this week is going to be the pitfalls of not addressing these things before applying for loans. Wow. So um, that's the money drama when we don't do what we should be doing. As we are thinking about our 3-5 financial strategy, we have income and expenses. This goes along with income and expenses because we utilize credit in order to pay our bills. 
It's part of the expense process, but we can get carried away with it if we're not careful. And so it's part of our five areas of concern and our first area of concern, which is income expenses and credit, because the expenses and credit part go hand in hand. And if we don't get a handle on the credit, then our expenses go nuts because we're paying interest on fees and interest and sure. it, it becomes a big, big super nightmare. So we'll talk about all of that on today's episode. So uh, how about moolah word? How about it? What do you got? Okay. So moolah word has to do with moolah specifically. Yourself? Yes. Generation X. Remember. We always hear about Gen Xers, millennials or Gen Y. And now we've got Gen Z. And, uh, we talked about that the other day. Yeah, so uh, Generation X or Gen X is the name given to the generation of Americans born between 1965 and 1984. Some researchers like demographers William Strauss and Neil Howe place the exact dates a few years earlier to 61 and 81, but it's essentially a 20-year span, starting in the 60s and ending in the 80s. So, which would place Gen Y starting a births at 1985 and later. Okay. So, 1985 to like 2005. Millennials are Gen Y, I'm sorry. Generation Z are the ones that kind of overlap Gen Y. Yeah. Um, and because okay. it seems like, you know, the millennials... Uh, you know, started creating the next generation sooner than the Gen Xers. We waited, you know, kind of uh, because we were more career oriented. We were one of the first few career oriented generations, really? you know, so so we started having babies later. If you look at the birth rates mm-hmm. and, and the age. Breaking down Generation X with Investopedia.com, the name comes from a novel by Douglas Coupland, Generation X, Tales for an Accelerated Culture. It was published in 1991, and it's more useful for marketing than sociology. Generational theory um, is the assumption that people born within the same time frame can be considered as a group with similar views, values, tastes, and habits, etc. And the idea of a generation gap has gained broad acceptance in the United States. The American generations covered in the theory are the greatest generation born between 1901 and 1924, the silent generation, which is 1925 to 1945, the boomers, which is you, 46 to 64, Gen X, is me and the millennial generation. Actually, they show, yeah, they showed gener- the millennials 1985 to 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Gen Z would be 2000 on. 2000 on. In terms of size, Generation X numbers around 50 million, while both baby boomers and the millennials each have around 75 million members. Um, yeah. Wow. So Generation X includes David Foster Wallace sure. and Paul Ryan. It's uh, very interesting. Uh, he's our speaker, right? Speaker of the house, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, like the silent generation, Gen X has been defined as an in-between generation in terms of economic muscle. Generation X's earning power and savings power were, were compromised first by the dot-com bust and second by the financial crisis of 08 and the Great Recession. In terms of social and political power, Gen X is sandwiched between the boomers who came of age of the Vietnam and Reagan eras and the millennials of the Obama era. In fact, Gen X overlaps another group called the sandwich generation 
And they're middle-aged individuals, roughly 40 to 60 years old, who due to the trends of longer lifespans and having children later in life are pressured to support both aging parents and growing children simultaneously. Hmm. Nice. That's my brother. Here's something interesting. You know, I mean, and if you think about it, you know, how we market to people, you know, when we look at radio show demographics, for example, how we market to different generations has different approaches. So it does have a dollar value or an economic thread to it. So if you're like, why are you talking about this? This is about money management. You're talking about generations. Uh, Gen X versus baby boomers. A recent survey by Salesforce, the global cloud computing company, compared Gen X with baby boomers. And among its findings, so this is like a me versus you thing. (laughs) So that's kind of fun. Uh, Gen X clients are busier than baby boomers and have less time to spend with their financial advisors. Is that curious? Uh, They tend to be more self-directed than boomer clients. Uh, The tech, they are tech savvy using, uh, used to doing things online and want more technology-based tools to monitor their financial picture. 73% of Gen X clients rely on peer reviews in selecting a financial advisor compared to 57% of boomers. Online reviews matter 64% to Gen X investors versus 53% of boomer investors. And the use of modern technology-based financial planning tools is a key factor for 83% of Gen Xers versus only 71% of boomers. And 72% of baby boomers feel that their financial advisors have their best interest at heart, while only about half of Gen Xers feel this way. Interesting, huh? Uh, Gen Xers, uh, Gen X investors use exchange traded funds much more frequently than do older cohorts. Not surprising, given that the investment option was popularized during our years. Um, Gen Xers are much more likely to hold balanced funds, particularly target date funds, reflecting a desire to avoid risk. Not me. I'm aggressive growth mm-hmm. still at my age. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and my uh, advisor says, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I'm not retiring. <laughs> so when you force me to start taking the money, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to have even more fun and do even more than what I do now um, and just leverage that. But right now, you know, I've just got time on my side because you figure if I'm 47, I still have another 40 years to work. 40? Yeah. Like, I, I think I'm maybe like halfway because, you know, if I'm going to live to be like a buck 20, a buck 30. I mean, if you're planning on that, yeah, you could work to your 80 or 90. Easy. Yeah. I mean, because look, look at all of the people. I mean, well, look at, you know, Betty White. Yeah. You know. It depends on what you do, too. I mean, if you're in corporate America, you're probably not going to work till 80, you know. Yeah, but, but you're you, an entrepreneur, so you, you can do work as long as you want. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's you know. the way I feel. I'm going to stop working when the phone stops ringing. <laughs> you know? No, that just means you have to pick up and start dialing. <laughs> you have to make the outbound call then. But, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, to think about, you know. Um, and so, um, but but we, we talk about generations in these uh, sweeping statements, right. you know, about a, like they're a particular class of people. Uh, but if you think about it culturally, it's significant because like for, for native Arizonans take, for example, 
I grew up with a local area television variety show for kids called Wallace and Ladmo. And I think you can get it on the internet, but it was the most politically incorrect show. Like, yeah, now today, you know, because like the one guy, like the one funny character who Pat McMahon, I'm sure, you know, in the media now is just as regular broadcaster. Like, you know, he personified this character that was like very kind of like the it's Pat from Saturday Night Live. Yeah. So it was like a transgender, sort of effeminate schoolboy with a blonde wig and funky glasses and everything. You know, um, and so folks in my generation, because, you know, it was on like for my whole growing up, and I got a Ladmo bag. That's like the big thing, too. If you were an Arizonan and you grew up during that era, like the coveted childhood thing was an, was a Ladmo bag. What's that? What's that? It was just a brown paper bag that said Ladmo bag on it, but inside it, it had like all kind of stuff snacks and toys and things. And my brother was complaining. And so I swapped seats with him and I got the Ladmo bag. Like it would, he would have gotten the Ladmo bag if he just would have stayed put. It was a local kids variety show. So they had skits, they had like audience interaction. The production quality must've been horrible. Is it? They have a, they have a hall of fame studio and everything in downtown Phoenix across from the symphony. You know, they have a little museum for it. Go online. You'll die laughing. Just Google Google the Wallace and Ladmo show. You'll die laughing. Um, But Everybody, like when when you have a connection with somebody, like you have the same musical preferences. And even if you didn't like a certain genre, for example, um, back then, it's familiar to you. So it creates a level of comfort when you hear it again. Um, And so these are the things that marketers know about you. You know, because all they have to do is pull like a few people in your generation and they can zero in on what's important to you because they can base it on what would be important to the group. You know, so if you think about it, most of my peers, like one of them is now she calls herself a glamma. She's not a grandma, but she's a glamorous (laughs) grandma. She's a glamma, a glamma. So I love these plays on words. It's like, you know. I know. It's a little mashup of a glamorous grandma. Um, so yeah, she's a glamma. And and so I'm thinking about it. I haven't even had one kid, let alone have a kid to have a kid. But it's happening. So that's the age group that I'm in. It's kind of like a kooky deal. You don't seem to be that upset about it. Well, because it's totally surreal because I don't have a child, you know. Yeah. I make fun of my brother all the time because he has kids and I'm like, and you know, he has like a big age disparity between them. He feels old, but like every day I wake up and I don't have some aging child as a reminder of how old I am. (laughs) (laughs) Looking up to my nephew is a little bit of a, like, that's not good. What happened to that little boy that would come visit me in the summer, you know? Mm Other than that, he's probably going to be taller than me the next time I see him. Oh, dear. Yeah, because he was uh, he was almost eye to eye. And so yeah, he's summer, he's going to be 16. So he's going to hit that growth spurt right about now and climb up a few more inches. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so when we talk about this, we have to keep in mind that because of those generational considerations, that's how people deliver products and services to you. I remember about seven, eight years ago, the big boom or the big rush was to start to create these assisted living facilities because like we said, 75 million Americans are boomers, Yeah. right? And so what's going to happen? They're going to need assisted living. Yeah. 
So they're preparing the inventory, waiting for these people to the upper echelon in that demographic to start needing assisted living care and memory care facilities, you know, 75 million. That's a lot. And but what's going to happen is that's going to change. That dynamic will change as the boomers or as the Gen Xers move into that. And so those facilities may be turned into other residential type stuff when the demand decreases. Yeah. You know what I mean? The marketplace will find it, but this is how we forecast. I mean, so, so it might sound like we're just talking about a t- period of time or a group of people, but it represents economically a whole oh, I lot. Think, I think, you know, the well-roundedness of being educated in all facets helps you financially and economically. Right. You know, know a little bit about music, a little bit about art, a little bit about theater and a little bit about Generation XYZ. And- yeah, and we actually have a really good update about what Mark Cuban sees on the forecast for the most important jobs coming up. And it ain't tech jobs. And- you know, and, and it's amazing because, you know, and that's, I guess, the topic for another show. Yeah. The, the But, you know, back in the day... Most of our politicians, especially when our company was first founded, were all like entrepreneurs. They weren't career, right. you know, uh, politicos. They they were um, businessmen. Most of them were all businessmen. Yeah. I mean, we had a couple of, you know, silver spoons, but for the most part, they were all businessmen, all up from the bootstraps sure. kind of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had already proven themselves on how to manage something, an empire successfully, their personal empires and, and professional empires. And so then they were able to lend that to the political scheme. But then people just wanted to do politics. I just want to make law. I just want to legislate. And that's where things kind of started to go sideways. Yeah. Well, and we have career politicians. I mean, you, you get a, a great pension for life for serving one term. Yeah, it's insane. But like one of those guys is going to reform it. Let's hope. Yeah. Well, don't hold your breath on that one. I'm not holding (laughs) my breath, but I mean, this is, you know, they they wonder where the problems are. I mean, this is one of the big problems is the the cushy perks these guys get. It is. So let's talk about this week's key, shall we? This segment of Keys to Riches, powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio, is sponsored by KeepMyID.org, the only service that actually prevents identity theft. All others are just monitoring services. Put your credit on lockdown for Keys to Riches radio listeners uh, by visiting keystoriches.com forward slash KeepMyID and click on the link to begin protecting your financial future right now. Remember to use promo code WAGS. So for those of you who are joining us for the first time, thanks so much for stopping by. We are so glad to have you. Uh, the Keys to Riches is a financial philosophy that teaches you how to think like the rich and be in control of your own money. It also gives you specific techniques to create or fix your credit, eliminate debt, save and invest, all while transforming your current financial habits into healthy money management skills. And we do this one week at a time, one key at a time here at Keys to Riches Radio. And we're now on our ninth key, which is to create credit. So now we've gotten over the hump of identifying where our hangups are, creating a strategy for success. And we've implemented that. We've protected ourselves or insulated ourselves from ineffective decision-making with our no seasonal exceptions. Now we need to start shifting our focus in our three, five financial strategy on where am I going? Okay. And, you know, We'll learn more about this next week when we talk about Remember Real Estate, but real estate is one of the most incredible ways that you can build wealth quickly 
and not have to spend very much money at all. Um, and we'll talk about, we'll compare and contrast the difference between real estate and stock market investing. You know, you still need both, but each one has its own purpose. And, you know, we address that in key four when we do our knowledge checklist in our three, five financial strategy of our five areas of concern. So in order for us to set ourselves up for success and to create the opportunity for real estate investment when we have no money is we have to have credit to help ourselves leverage ourselves successfully. But we have to understand what goes into a healthy credit profile so you can start targeting that healthy credit profile. So when we roll around in next week, we could just talk about, we won't have to talk about the value of credit. Um, and we could talk about the business of investing in real estate. So we can use credit in a couple of ways. You'll either be successful with it or you won't be successful with it. And just because you pay your bills on time does not mean you're being successful with your management of your credit. Um, and uh, if you're going outside of your debt ratios for uh, real estate, uh, for real estate lending, um, and, and they're just good general guidelines. Carrying a balance is the nuttiest thing ever on the planet for short and midterm debt. And so um, I'm going to throw that statement out there and then I'm going to circle back to it because I need to explain the different types of debt. So the biggest thing that people focus on when it comes to credit is their credit score. And I'm going to tell you, while that's a good number to pay attention to, underwriters don't underwrite solely on credit score. They look at credit quality. And so you need to have the quality of credit that an underwriter will say yes to so you can get a home loan uh, or a, a, a commercial real estate loan. Because without that, yes, you're going to be hard pressed to build vast amounts of wealth rapidly. Um, because the only other way to do that is pretty much winning the lottery uh, or getting on a good hot stock IPO. And again, if you're not a major player in the stock market, you're not going to be privy to that sort of information. You won't be able to get that, that, um, because you're not a high level investor with big money to invest, you're not going to have access to that. So tidying up our credit is where we need to be. So there are 85 factors that go into a credit score, but only three of them make a hill of beans worth of difference. All right. And I'm going to go, and I'm going to list those off to you. So on time payments, open and available credit and tenure length of time. The accounts have been open. So, uh, there are a lot of credit myths out there, and I just read another article on credit that was supposed to be myth-busting, and it was totally wrong. But these people are hanging themselves out there like a credit advocate, and their information was completely wrong. I was trained by the credit bureaus when I was in mortgage underwriting. We had to go there to learn it. That's where we were sent because Fannie and Freddie and FHA and VA all had particular underwriting standards and they had us go learn right from the horse's mouth. Mm -hmm. So I spent uh, two days at Experian um, learning all about it. And there's so much stuff out there that um, is just misinformation. Uh, so those three things need to be top of mind. Now, if you have made mistakes and maybe you have had some hiccups in your payment history, 
No worries, because the credit scoring model, the way credit scoring works is, is it's a, it's a statistical model. So it doesn't have anything specific to it, except for the formula that calculates it. And what it does is it compares everything in your credit profile amongst these 85 factors, and then it compares your credit and your your history from a statistical point of view, not your specific stuff, against everybody else that has the similar credit profile. So they have similar accounts, similar age of accounts, similar payment histories to come up with your score. The scoring models are weighted depending on what you're applying for. So it's always interesting to me where I see these commercials and they say, check your credit for free. Just download this app. And the girl's getting her arm tattooed with her credit score number. And credit scores are different amongst the three bureaus. Uh, Well, and there's four, actually, because there's a novice. So you've got four credit reporting agencies, four different scoring models, because each one has their own proprietary. So only one company uses FICO. Only Experian uses FICO. Uh, TransUnion has the Beacon score. Okay, so everybody has their own scoring model, which is different from the other guys. And then on top of that, depending on what type of lender you are, you can pull credit that weights the score based on your industry. So if I am a bank that's extending credit for credit cards, I'm going to use credit scores that heavily weight short-term debt management into the credit profile. So how you've managed your other credit cards is going to have a bigger impact than, say, car loans or mortgages. And same thing applies to other genres. If you're applying for a car loan, if I want to lend you money for a car loan, I want to know how you manage car loans or midterm debt that's going to be anywhere from three to six years you know, contract installment loans. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to do. So my credit score is going to have a bigger chunk of it based on that. Uh, And so, so what you might pull, like you might be a 720, like at, you know, your little app, but maybe you've had crappy mortgage repayment history. You're probably going to be like a 680. I mean, or who knows? I mean, I'm just throwing numbers out there, but you could take a serious hit to your score. It's not what you think it is. And credit scores change every day because information is added every day. There's no consistency in the reporting requirements. So, you know, if I'm a small time lender, I'm only going to record like quarterly or semi-annually. You know, if I have a small number of loans, if I'm a small business, because you pay to play, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people have to pay to put that information in your credit bureau. Uh, and so w- when we look at that, you know, uh, sometimes lenders only report the bad stuff. They don't even bother with the monthly reporting and they just report it when stuff goes bad or they charge it off, depending on on the type of lender. Uh, So that's why this week's show on Unlock Your Wealth Radio is going to be so important because we're going to show you how to review and update your credit report to reflect the latest payment on every account. There's some neat little things that you can do to update that. Um, So as we're talking about this um, and we look at this and then mortgages want to know how you manage long-term debt. So your credit score is not as important as your credit quality. And that's what underwriters are looking for. So when you go to apply for a mortgage, and I'm speaking for mortgages, because if you're financing your cars, shame on you. And if you're carrying balances on your credit cards, shame on you. 
That is not what those are for. You can either collect interest or you can pay interest. And if you're busy paying interest, you can't collect interest because your money is going out. So you can't be lending it or investing it to make a return. So that's why you got to get rid of the frivolous deaths and, and, and car payments. You know, you don't have to keep up with the Joneses. Be your own Jones yeah. <laughs> and don't keep up with the Joneses. Um, but it's important that we know that we need at least two trade lines, um, which is two types of credit, open for 24 months with zero lates. Um, and, and like if you, you could have had a late at the 26th month, but it's not going to be weighted in your score, which is the beauty. The scores are only based on your active activity over the last 24 months. Like all the other stuff weights to a different degree. Like only 15% of your score is long-term management of your accounts. You know, so how long have you had an account open? That's why if you've had an account open, even if you're not using it, you should every once in a while throw a charge on there, keep it open and active uh, because it adds to your open and available credit, which is 30% of your score. And and it also can affect your score by up to 15%. If you closed out every account that's old that you don't use anymore, you could cut your score by up to 15% wow. overnight. And that might be the difference of an, it might not be a no answer in your underwriting, but it could be the difference between, you know, an 8% interest rate and a five and a half percent interest rate, right. you know, depending on what it is you're applying for. It could have a, a dramatic difference. In, in your score. So you have to pay attention to that. If you visit our website at keystoriches.com, you can also find the document that has all of the elements that go into uh, uh, reviewing your credit report. And it also has uh, the ideal credit profiles to begin real estate, home ownership, and investment. Thank you so much for stopping by. Remember to tune into our show at unlockyourwealthradio.com and for the keys to riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio and the maestro of Moolah, Michael Terry, I'm Heather Wagonhalls. Now go out and unlock your wealth today. Unlockyourwealthradio.com is produced by Heather Wagonhalls and the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2017 with all rights reserved. For more information on the Keys to Riches Financial Wellness Series, please visit our website at www.unlockyourwealth.com. <laughs>